Hello and welcome back to Grateful Gwenna. Thank you for joining us today. This is a podcast where I and others share our stories related to domestic violence. And I'm not saying what I usually say today because I don't have my written blurb in front of me. But uh, today's episode is going to be a lot different in a lot of ways. Um, I've been praying and feel like the Lord is telling me to share my marriage testimony with you. So that is what I will do. Thank you again for joining me. And I hope this episode encourages you and or someone else. And maybe you'll see yourself or a friend or a loved one in this episode. Uh, Normally, I create these podcasts so far, these episodes or podcast episodes with notes in front of me, and today I'm doing it completely extemporaneously. I am creating this podcast for you, podcast, excuse me, for you from the heart, and I am not using any notes or anything, Um, but I feel like the Lord is leading me to share this with you. This is not my favorite thing to do, I'm not going to lie. I don't like to rehash and remember the things that happened, and there's always somebody who feels sorry for me, and I just absolutely hate that, and I know that's a pride issue of mine, but um, I recently finished reading an absolutely wonderful, encouraging, biblical, scriptural godly book written by one of my beautiful godly friends. Her name is Janice Regal. Thank you, Janice. Hi, Janice. And this young lady inspired me so much to basically kind of figuratively speaking, get out of my boat and share my testimony with you. I do not, I do know God has called me to write a book and I just haven't started doing that yet. Well, that's not totally true. I have written it a couple of times and didn't have it backed up and lost the entire manuscript after God had me rewrite the entire book once in the middle of the night, waking me up at 2.30 a.m. Anyway, that's enough babbling. So um, this uh, podcast that I'm creating is stepping out of my comfort zone big time and trying to help whoever I can. Um, My hope is that in my ministry is that um, hopefully I can encourage primarily women, but also men, but primarily women, woman, women because I am a woman. And again, as I always say, um, so far, statistically speaking, um, it is primarily women who are domestic violence and abuse victims, especially when it comes to physical violence. And my own personal opinion is that that is a lot because I personally believe God created men to be the physically stronger um, sex. That's just my personal opinion. I know it sounds really sexist, but, you know, I believe in God's word and that's what I believe. So, um, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sitting outside, so the air conditioner is running, so it's a beautiful day. It's supposed to be a high of 68 degrees, so I am sitting on um, my fiance's back patio while he's inside sleeping. Um, in this gorgeous, beautiful, sunshine-filled day with the blue sky. Uh, You may want to get to a place where you can listen without interruption for this episode. Um, 
and most likely where you can listen without little ears around. And I just want to go ahead and pray before I start this episode, if you will allow me that. Um, I probably should be doing that in every episode. So this is, I believe, episode six of season one. So thank you again for joining me and let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would share the things that you, that I would share. Father God, I just pray that I would share the things that you want me to share, that you would put your words on my lips as I speak, and that the person listening to this podcast right now would just be immensely and deeply blessed, and that, Lord, just help them um, wherever they are in their circumstances, whether they are wondering if they're being abused themselves, um, whether they are hurting for a friend that they're watching being abused or mistreated or wherever they are in life, Lord. I just pray that you would bless them. Lord, I just thank you for redeeming my life and all the other survivors' lives out there. And thank you, Jesus, for the way you love us. I also pray that for anyone listening who might not know you personally, Lord, that you would bring them to a saving knowledge of you in Jesus' name. For this free gift, not that we're any better because none of us deserves it, like it says in Ephesians, um, but because it's a free gift to us from you. Thank you so much for loving us, Lord, and that nothing can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And by the way, I usually share some scriptures in my podcast, and those are usually in my notes. All of this I share today. There's nothing in front of me. It's just me, a chair, the outdoors, and my cell phone on which I'm recording. And the bee I just watched crawl into a hole in the side of this siding. Okay, anyway, I'm, I have uh, a phobia of bees. But he's leaving me around, alone right now, so I'm okay. Um, okay, so I believe God is leading me today to share my marriage testimony with you. And I'm just going to let him lead. Um, There is a lot. And if you are at all familiar with domestic violence and the nuances, um, a lot of times you forget things. And it can be very emotional. So again, I hope this encourages you today. Uh, This is my own personal marriage story. So let's get to it. I keep saying it. So stop saying it and just say it, right? Okay, so here we go. Um, Lord, I trust you to lead me and say what you want me to say. Uh, And I forgot my water, too. I'm actually going to go grab a a glass of water while I do this. Um, But I'll keep talking as I walk. So, I met a seemingly wonderful man of God. Um many years ago when I was in my early 20s and I actually met him at a Hispanic church. Um, I am not Hispanic at all, uh, but he is and was. And so I was attending a service at this Hispanic church in my hometown where I had been invited I'm pouring myself some water. And mm, 
Water is good. <laughs> I visited this Hispanic church um, because I w had been invited by a friend who had been raised by missionaries in the Dominican Republic. It wasn't my friend, but while I was at this Hispanic church visiting, I met some new people, obviously. And one of them was a man who asked me for my telephone number. And I gave him my telephone number. Eventually he called me and invited me to go with him to help pick him pick out a gift at an art store at the local mall nearby for a co-pastor who was leaving the church. So normally I'm a type A personality. I mean, I'm a teacher by trade, uh, have been for years and mm, um, normally I am, if I see someone struggling, normally my first instinct is to help them. But for some unknown reason, I felt in my spirit that day that I should not help this man. Um, I could tell his Spanish was a little bit broken, but he was doing a great job. He asked me my opinion. I told him my opinion and then I stepped back and I just stood in the back of the store, toward the back of the store while he asked questions and made his purchase for the gift for the co-pastor who was leaving the Hispanic church. When we went out into the parking lot outside the mall, after that um, experience purchasing, and, and I don't know why, normally I would have taken over, but I didn't. That was really abnormal for me, but I just felt in my spirit that day to stand back and wait, so I did. So we get in the parking lot. He thanks me for helping him and hands me two things. One of the things he hands me is an art piece that he had obviously purchased at that store before. Um, it was actually really beautiful and really odd, but it was a kind of copper and bronze. And it was a copper and bronze like flower, like something you would hang on your wall. It was really beautiful. And then he hands me this little piece of paper with this drawing. I think it was of either Jesus' face or praying hands. It's long ago, so I don't remember which one exactly now. He used to do both of those all the time. He was quite talented at that. And inside, there's a poem written in Spanish. And I speak fluent Spanish. You know, I've learned Spanish since I was 12 years old. I love Spanish. I love the culture, Spain, the people. Um, Spanish-speaking people, you name it. That's just kind of my thing. I love Hispanic culture and people and the language and everything. So, of course, I understood his poem in Spanish. But in hindsight and looking back, that was a little overboard. It was a very sweet gesture. And I thought it was super sweet and super romantic, which it was. In hindsight, that was probably a little slight red flag. But... Back then, I thought it was really super sweet. Um, we were dating off and on for probably close to two years then, um, this man and I. And uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what to tell you. <laughs> mm. um, I remember one time, and, and God has changed me quite a bit. When I was in college, I was very liberal-minded, I would say. 
um, considered myself part of the Democratic Party back then. Um, I was very, um, I don't know how to say this, but I was a radical liberal feminist, okay? And um, God has changed me quite a bit since then. But when I met this man, I was still kind of coming out of that a little bit. And, you know, um, when I was 12, I had accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And Jesus was my best friend for about a year. And then I backslid. And then, you know, I backslid off and on, mostly on, mostly backsliding until college. And then I prayed and asked God to tell me if he was real. And he started to show me things, which will be part of my other testimony another day. And then I graduated college and got this new job. And then that's when I met this man. Okay. So to get you up to speed. So I was still kind of like I had been a Christian since I was 12. So a long time, but I was backslidden most of that time. So, um, and I had a, a strong foundation in the Catholic faith. So I had a foundation of scripture. And um, when I met this man, and we started dating for almost two years, um, we tried to do a Bible study once together. But I still had a lot of questions because, you know, I had been a radical liberal feminist and now suddenly I was a Christ follower, like full force. I mean, I got rebaptized and everything. Um, and so I remember our very first Bible study, just the two of us together when we were dating, I had a lot of questions for him and I don't remember the questions I had, but he took it more like I was challenging and arguing with him instead of seeking and trying to find the truth. But I really wasn't. I really wanted to know the answers to my questions. And he told me, I will never do a Bible study with you again, not just the two of us. And he never did. And that was probably red flag number two that I chose to ignore. And I kind of blew it off like, okay, well, maybe he'll change his mind, but he never did. Um, and then the third red flag was he told me he had stolen money from a church. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> then when he described it to me, it, he didn't actually steal the money. It, it's a long story, but it, he did not actually steal the money. He just, I don't know how you describe it, but it wasn't technically stealing. It wasn't intentional, but he should have returned it's a long story and I can't even describe it now, but that was red flag number three. So I also knew he had a temper. Red flag number four, and this is putting myself out there. Like I said, I was backslidden for a long time and I was not walking the Christian walk for a long time. Um, one time I tried to surprise him and showed up at his workplace and we worked opposite shifts, so it was really late at night. He didn't know I was coming because it was a surprise, and it was in another town. And he had to work overtime that night, but I didn't know it until I got there. And 
He didn't come out for a really long time. And by the time he finally came out, I was exhausted and about to fall asleep and was not capable of safely driving back to my city, to my hometown. So I told him I was going to get myself a hotel room and sleep there for the night. And he took that as an invitation to stay in the hotel room with me, which I never said and I never invited him, but I also never corrected him. And so this is obviously something I'm really super embarrassed about. But I'm thankful now in hindsight, but um, dummy me didn't say, well, hey, can't you pay for your own hotel room? And I paid for the room for both of us, which was also a red flag. But um, and of course, one thing led to another and I ended up getting pregnant with my first son, which um I didn't know for a long time. And that's another part of my testimony. Uh, So those were the main four red flags before we um, got married that I should have paid attention to. The four main ones. There were other ones, but. Um, So let's jump ahead a couple of months. And I'm at work at my full-time job. And I start feeling dizzy. Yep, you guessed it. I didn't know it yet, but I was pregnant. But I didn't think I could be because my body had had a normal cycle ever since then. So I didn't think it was possible. Found out later, my mom's body had a normal cycle all the way through her pregnancy. So, but she had never told me that. So long story short, I found out I was pregnant. And there's a lot more in there, but... um, Having the background that I did, another thing I'm embarrassed to say, I was young and naive and I considered having an abortion. Thankfully, I did not. I went through what was then called the Crisis Pregnancy Center and is now, I believe, called the Hope Center. And nobody tried to tell me what to do. They just prayed for me and supported me, which was invaluable, very valuable experience, highly recommended. They're there to help and to listen and to love and not to push an agenda or try to tell anyone anything or try to tell anyone what to do. It was an excellent experience. But I remember, I remember at 24 years old, walking in to the crisis pregnancy center and right in the doorway was a 14 year old girl sitting there. And I thought two things. I thought, oh my gosh, I feel so out of place. And the second thing I thought was this poor girl, what am I doing here? She's 14. She obviously needs more help than I do. But they were very helpful, and I'm very grateful for them. And I ended up having my son, who is an incredible blessing on my life and has blessed many other people's lives. And actually, um, if you listen this weekend, or hopefully by Monday, we should have I should have it posted, my son has agreed to share part of his testimony with you about... Um, the son that I just told you about. And he knows um, and and is fine. I have shared my um, abortion story testimony where I almost got an abortion um, with him. I've shared it for years and I've spoken at a public event and everything. And, and he understands and supports and is fine with that. He's actually very mature about it, extremely mature. But he is going to, um, he's said, he's going to let me interview him this weekend about how growing up in an abusive home with abusive parents has affected him as 
the child in the home. So look forward to that. Um, I'm excited for you to hear his side of the story and grateful that he's willing to share with you because I think a lot of people will be able to relate to him too. Mm. So anyway, fast forward a little bit and we end up deciding not to get an abortion and my parents got married because my mom was pregnant with me and they were divorced five years later. So I didn't want that to happen to me or my family. So all my life, I had pretty much sworn that I would never get married just because I was pregnant. And guess what? I got married pretty much just because I was pregnant. I was scared to be alone. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit. I was a very different person back then. And God used a lot of this to change me. Um, I've always been very intelligent, but sadly, I describe myself, my younger self to people as I thought I was kind of God's gift to this planet. And I am so sorry that I was like that when I was younger. Now I'm almost completely the opposite. Um, I'm grateful that every morning God wakes me up and gives me breath and I want to help and bless others. And God has just, I'm far from perfect, but My goal is not so self-centered anymore. It is, I want to help others. So anyway, um, so we got married. And that's when the abuse started. The day after we got married, um, my then husband got angry with me about something and we were arguing and he shoved me down on the bed. I was fully clothed and I was angry because I didn't want him shoving me on the bed and I got back up and he shoved me down again and I got back up and he shoved me down again and this happened I counted 10 times until I was sobbing and humiliated and frustrated and in hindsight he just wanted power and control over me. I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I just gotten married. We just had a baby. Um, I didn't know what to do. I, I'm an intelligent woman, educated woman, graduated college with a bachelor of arts degree. You know, what am I doing? How did I find myself in this situation? You see, domestic violence is not a respecter of intelligence. It's not a respecter of persons. It's not a respecter of age. It's not a respecter of sex. It just is. It can happen to anyone. And I feel like he wanted power and control over me. And I was furious and frustrated. I felt so frustrated because I felt powerless. And um, the other thing that happened right after we got married was, you know how your newborn babies don't usually sleep through the night for a few weeks. And I was absolutely exhausted and I was taking care of the baby almost all the time. So my then husband tried to give me a break and take the baby from me, but long and and help. But long story short, um, he got frustrated with the baby because he couldn't get the baby to stop crying either. So he smacked a newborn baby who was like two days old, maybe on the bottom. He spanked a newborn baby. And that was terrifying. 
I had no clue what to do. Um, and at the time, his mother, uh, who was from another country, was living with us. And he was in the other room. And she got to him before I did and didn't speak any English. But she lit into him in Spanish and said way more than I would have even. And I should have stood up to him more than, but I felt like she already said way more than I would have. So I didn't say anything. I just said what she said. And, you know, I don't want to go into like a lot of details, but, you know, over the years, um, my ex-husband was one way in private and completely another way in public. Um, he had people convinced, even at churches, that he was kind and sweet. And he was to everyone but me. So, um, but just to give you an idea, and, you know, I don't want this to go super long. So I'm going to just give you a few examples of things that happened over the years. And I shared some of this in one of my other episodes as well. Um, but I remember one time we took the boys to a new skate park on the other side of town that our church was hosting. And somehow my ex-husband and I had gotten into an argument about something. So he decides to take the vehicle and leaves the boys and me there and doesn't tell us if he's coming back or when doesn't say anything to us. He claims he did, but he never did. He never said anything. He just took off. And so I waited around for a while. And then I finally um, said, come on, boys, we're going to walk home, <laughs> which probably would have taken us a good at least two hours. So we started walking and the church secretary happened to see us and picked us up and gave us a ride home. God bless her. And then of course he tried to say that he said he was coming back and I didn't hear him, but it wasn't true. Um, another thing he did was one time he was angry and he shoved me and we lived in a two-story home and I fell halfway down the stairs. Um, Another time he punched a hole in the wall. Another time he threw a phone at my head and thankfully I ducked. Um, another time he shoved me and I fell on my toddler, my son's toddler bed and almost fell on my son. Um, that was actually the first time I got a picture of the physical bruising he did to me. And he would say, oh, well, you bruise easily. Actually, I don't. I'm one tough cookie. So, um, and this is kind of an aside. I remember years, and, and this is, I'm interrupting my marital testimony for a minute, marriage story. Um, years after we separated, um, I saw my neighbor, who was also from another country, sitting on her front patio, and it was dark. I said, are you okay? And she didn't speak any English. And she said, yes. And I just had a feeling she was not okay. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. Two years after that, she said, hey, Gwenna. I said, yes. She goes, remember a couple years ago when I was sitting on the porch that night and you asked me if I was okay? And I said, yes. She goes, well, I wasn't. 
She said, that was the night that my husband gave me the worst beating I'd ever had. But you couldn't see it because the blood was under my hair on my head and it was dark. So, you know, this happens obviously a lot more than we think it does. And I just felt so bad for her, bless her heart, because here she was in another country that's not her home and not her home. And, you know, she doesn't speak English because he wouldn't allow her to speak English. She wanted to take classes and he told her no. So anyway, um, all these things over the years. And, you know, I remember one night I was cowering on the kitchen, I'm sorry, the dining room floor, um, kind of with my, sitting on the floor with my knees up to my chest crying because of my ex-husband's abuse of me, physical abuse. And he was emotionally abusive too. Um, for me, that wasn't as big a deal. I know it sounds bad, but like my parents and my siblings were that, and my grandparents even were that way to me growing up. So I was used to all of that emotional abuse. I know that sounds awful and it is, but the emotional doesn't bother me as badly because I mean, I'm not going to die from it. And I remember um, by this time we had two sons and I remember one of my last straws was um, my ex-husband had gotten a job, a new job, and he told me, give me some time because it's not my native language. Give me some time to learn the job. I was like, okay. So I gave him about three months and then I looked at him and I said, you know, the boys really miss you, the kids, they really miss you because he would say hi to him. And that was about it because he was so busy trying to learn his new job, which is understandable. But you know, it's been three months. It's time for you to pay attention to your children again. Right. And the boys were saying, mommy, I miss daddy, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, you know, your kids miss you. So, um, He just kind of blew me off. And so I let it go for a couple more months. Five months after he got the new job, I brought it up again and he started to get angry and I prayed and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go to your Bible study class, take the kids with you and bring it up again when you come back. Well, that was the wrong thing to do. (laughs) So I did what I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me. God told me I took myself and the kids to the Bible study. And we got back, it was about nine o'clock at night. It was a Wednesday night. And I said again, you know, your boys really, you know, they want to spend some time with you. And he got super angry. Um, At first I thought he was going to apologize. The boys were sitting on the couch in the living room and he was sitting at the dining room table. And so I walked away and I started walking toward the boys. And then I heard my ex-husband get up and start walking toward me. So I turned around to face him. And by this time I was standing in front of the children and he looked at me and shoved me and spit in my face, which I found out later is a class D felony. Yes. So just so you know, if someone spits in your face, it is a class D felony, at least in the state where I live. And it was like something in my brain snapped right then. And I thought, no, oh no, I'm not having my sons learn that it's okay to treat someone the way he just treated me. Uh Uh-uh. So I knew because of his rage and 
uncontrolled anger that I couldn't do anything about it at the time. But I made up in my mind quietly, this is not going to happen. And that was my final kind of breaking point. That was after, probably years after, my ex-husband actually strangled me. That's a whole different story. And I'll go into that in another part of the testimony. This is just the beginning. But when he shoved me and spit in my face and spat in my face in front of the, the boys, the children, our two sons, I immediately made up my mind instantly. No, I didn't have to think about it. Oh no, they're not going to learn that you can treat someone like this. Why I didn't think I shouldn't allow myself to be treated like this, I don't know. But that's what snapped for me. So hopefully... Um, this is going to sound maybe a little mean, but hopefully I've kind of left you hanging. I don't want to have these podcast episodes be too long. So this is going to be part one of my testimony. And so hopefully we will pick up right where we left off next time. Thank you for listening. And I know this is my testimony, um, but hang tight and make sure you listen to the next parts because I am so excited to share with you how God redeemed this situation and my life and the boys' lives. Thank you for listening. And remember, I love you, but Jesus loves you more. Till next time, make sure you listen to that next part.